Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bare Necessities podcast. I'm Austin, and with me again is my co-host Reese. Reese, how how are you doing this week? I'm grateful, you know, for the for the host. <laughs> Just a little throwback to the last week's podcast, but now things are going pretty well. You know, life is is chugging along. You know, life goes on just like that Oliver Tree song. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Bears news is coming. Got the combine starting up. So th- things are heating up a little bit. I'm liking it. I'm liking it a little bit more. This week was kind of a little bit of a bum week, though, as far as uh, football news goes. But we're just starting to get into it. Or last week. Yeah, so. well, the combine really, I would say, is the initiation of like the full swing off season. Because once you get to the combine, that's when you know coaches and GMs start to talk to players and you know their agents and trying to gauge interest. And the agents are trying to figure out where their guys could be suited. And pretty soon, the franchise deadline will be coming up. I think you can already actually technically franchise tag players, but I know that uh, typically. Teams don't like to do that till the last moment, especially it can also lead to players being kind of uh, not super excited to play for their teams, more likely to sit out. I think we kind of saw that with Allen Robinson uh, earlier last year. But nonetheless, I think that we're starting to finally hit that full swing of things. And man, I'm so excited uh, for this free agency class. The Bears finally have some more cap space. Uh, Seems really like the first year we've really had any since like 2018, I would say. Uh, We don't have quite as much as then. um, But really, we have a lot of moving pieces this offseason. It's just going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. Man, yeah, it's like, oh, it almost feels like we're rebuilding a lot of this roster from scratch, honestly. And I say we like I'm actually part of it. Um, <laughs> but Ryan Poles and, and their front office, as well as, well as the input from Eberflus as well, they got a lot of work to do as far as filling up um, a lot of these holes, you know. And they've gotten into it a little bit, you know, with some very minor signings before really free agency actually really kicks off. Um, and really no one important so far, but I think Ryan Poles alluded a little bit to it earlier today um, when he was talking about just all the decisions that they have to make. Um, but luckily, you know, we got everything else in order. The coaching staff is in place. You know, the front office is in place. Things have been solidified. You know, they've had some time. There's been a bit of a run up for this, you know, so uh, I at least hope that they've been uh, strategizing um, and really figuring out where they want to prioritize everything. And I'm sure they have. Um, but I'm really curious to know what they're thinking, because, uh, you know, other than a little bit of the giveaways that we've heard so far, uh, there's really not all that much to, to really read off of quite yet. Well, one player that I think they might actually be targeting is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, There's a lot of buzz about (laughs) him going into the combine. Uh, Matt Miller specifically said that he's hearing more about Mitchell Trubisky than any other draft, any of the draft prospect QBs. Uh, So that can kind of tell you where this QB class is this year. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. No kidding to that. Um, <laughs> you know, fortunately, and I thought we were going to go, you know, maybe a year without talking about Trubisky um, in the year of 2022. But how can you? Uh, you know, just one of the more iconic Bears uh, passing legends. Um, <laughs> but Got his revenge on us in that preseason game this year. He most definitely did. And, and I could tell from that preseason game, I knew that things were going to work out for him decently in Buffalo. Of course, he was only uh, someone that was on the bench, but it, it did seem like a bit of a jumping off point. Um, ultimately, all jokes aside, and, and it's not going to happen on the Bears, obviously, but it really is looking fairly certain that this man is at least going to 
going to be a starter in camp and likely a starter on some NFL team next year. Yeah, no, definitely. That That's kind of the weird thing is we, we normally after like a loaded QB class, you see the next year they're kind of being a stark drop off. And that's kind of what we're getting. This kind of reminds me uh, of like last year, reminding me a little bit of like the 2018 NFL QB class, which was like notoriously good. Um, and everyone kind of knew it was going to be really good before the season even started. Um, and I kind of view that as how that 2021 quarterback class was. It was just a really, really good quarterback class. I mean, the fact that you get Justin Fields at 10th overall uh, is really spectacular considering all other things. You know, I, it's you can def- it, the year can definitely define what quarterback you're getting. That's why I always recommend to teams not to, you know, go out there and force a quarterback move, kind of how the Bears did in 2017, I would say, which, you know, in hind- hindsight's 2020, but in 2017, that class was regarded as very similar to uh, maybe this class, pro- probably a little better than this class, but it, it was known to be a pretty bad quarterback uh, class, and the Bears still chose to move up and get their guy. Um, and I kind of it kind of reminds me of the 2019 draft class as well, uh, this class, where it was like you have the Giants reaching for Daniel Jones at, what was it, like pick 11 yeah. or something like that? And I think that's going to be kind of how it plays out here. So it's no surprise to me that Mitch Trubisky, who is a winning quarterback um, and showed a lot of promise as far as like being able to be a a game managing quarterback, maybe someone you can roll with for a year. Um, I would just hope that if I'm a fan of a team that needs a quarterback, that Mitchell Trubisky wouldn't be the only move the team would make this season. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think that... You know, when we talk about the quarterback draft class, every analyst is really kind of picking a different quarterback to surge up the board. Um, I've seen Matt Corral's name thrown into the mix in the first round. Of course, you know, Malik Lewis has a lot of hype around him. Um, Pickett's kind of always been one of those names that we expect to go in the first round, but we're not really sure quite where. Um, so everyone's kind of having a different read off of these players. I've seen, you know, posts about in this year's draft class is really only consensus about the safety and center position about who the best player is. Um, and that would be, you know, Kyle Hamilton and, and Linderbaum from Iowa, um, Hamilton from Notre Dame. But I think that it really just when you have uncertainty in the quarterback class, it does make the free agency um, quarterback class very interesting because, you know, a team is going to go that route of, like you said, kind of just picking Trubisky and not drafting a quarterback. And, you know, it's either a really good decision or a really bad decision. You know, sometimes as weaker quarterback classes mm-hmm. end up being a lot stronger than anticipated. I don't think that's going to be the case with this class. I'm not really high on any one of these quarterbacks. Um, if someone like Corral was someone that was going to go early in the second, um, I would find that to be a good value pick. I, I do have belief in, in his ability. Um, even though he played in kind of an easy Kiffin system in, in Ole Miss. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, I, Extremely easy. Yeah, we'll see We'll see how it shakes out, though. Because ultimately, I feel like I feel like that first reach is probably going to be on, on Lewis. You know, just because I've seen his name really crop up mostly. Um, but we'll see. And the Steelers look like... Lewis who? Uh, Malik Lewis, right? Uh, Malik Will- Willis. Willis. God, 
Yep. You know, it is what it Idiotic. is. Idiotic. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. We mess up names all the time on this podcast. Just give me a damn break. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Sign, the best quarterback in the Well, class. yeah, yeah. Malik Willis, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you, though. I, I get I get what you're trying to get at. Malik Willis, like, that's why I was having this conversation uh, with one of my other good friends who uh, works kind of around the NFL in, in the in, in the industry, I'll say. And he we kind of came to the same conclusion. And it's like the, the teams that are looking for quarterbacks are like specifically a team that's very high is like the Detroit Lions. Why would the Detroit Lions draft anybody not named Malik Willis when those other players look like their ceiling is probably about Jared Goff? Like their ceiling, like their best case scenario is to like, you know, have a couple of successful seasons under a really good offensive head coach. I mean, I don't think they should by any measure. I don't even think the Lions should take a quarterback. Um, I agree. At least with that. Um, second pick that they're sitting at. There's too many good players on the board. Um, man, what year was it that like Joey Bosa was drafted? It, it almost feels very si- 2017. Was it? It feels very yeah. similar to that where um, you know Joey Bosa was really high or 2016. Yeah, sorry. I, I think it was the yeah. year before um, Trubisky was drafted. Um, Joey Bosa was regarded as one of the top players, I think at the beginning of the year, everyone thought he was going to be the number one pick slid all mm-hmm. the way down to three um, and ended up being a fantastic value pick in the top five, which just doesn't happen that often. And I think that the lions have that luxury. They can really pick who they want um, at that second position. It looks like they're going to have their choice of edge rusher. Um, and I think that's a perfect place for them to be in. Um, I, I know Jared Goff is not their long-term solution. He's not a, a quarterback that's going to, take the lines to the promised land, whatever version of uh, whatever that looks like for them. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be a massive mistake if they ended up going for a quarterback um, unless they trade down in some kind of scenario like that. Yeah. Or potentially trade up because they also have that, the Rams uh, first round pick there as well. Yeah. Um, Which they, I mean, so. they could technically, there's a chance that one of these top five names of quarterback will be, will be there. Yeah. At least I'd hope so. Poten- <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um Yeah, it's just it's it's a weird quarterback class. I'm happy for Mitch Trubisky though. Um I think Justin Fields being drafted by the Bears is probably the best thing that could ever happen to Mitch Trubisky, considering that and a lot of Bears fans too, is because it kind of gave us a true diagnosis of where the problem started and began. And it's not like it was a one or the other thing. It's kind of like the antithesis of the Bill Belichick, uh, uh, Tom Brady conversation where it's like, oh, what made them so great? Was it Belichick or was it Brady or was it both? And uh, you, while you might see that, you know, long term, now that we look at it, it's probably like, okay, Brady also won a Super Bowl with another team. Uh, you also can't get rid, get rid of the role of Bill Belichick. And that's, uh, you know, I think the, the Matt Nagy uh, and, and Mitchell Trubisky experiment were, is, is very comparable to that, except in the exact opposite way where it's <laughs> like point, uh, yeah. what, what made it so bad. And while Mitch certainly was a part of it, a uh, man could not throw a deep ball to save his life. Um, I'll still say that he, the, the quote that uh, he can't throw to the left was the most overrated storyline I've ever heard. Uh, but he, the man cannot throw a deep ball and he surely got shocked. And one of the biggest things that I, I mentioned uh, 
consistently is it seemed like he was always playing in his head. And I think Matt Nagy kind of prospered that situation to happen. I think that it, to an extent maybe was a little bit what happened to Fields. Um, I think Fields just handled it much better than Trubisky ever was able to. Um, but yeah, it's certainly looking like Matt Nagy uh, was more likely the issue. And I would totally understand why a team would, maybe if they have a Shanahan inspired scheme as well, maybe Denver. That, that would be a good fit, actually, is Denver, considering uh, that they just brought over Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I, I think that he could be a good fit there in that Shanahan offense. I don't know if he was uh, the right quarterback to be in uh, a true, uh, you know, Andy Reid West Coast offense. How many reject quarterbacks can a team like Denver pick up, though? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know? Do you remember when they had Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, uh I, it was it was honestly also hilarious. Do you know what I actually think is the funniest storyline though about Drew Locke? I think it's hilarious that they drafted Drew Locke. I always thought Drew Locke was going to be awful, but the fact that the the Packers were trying to draft Drew Locke to be the successor to Aaron Rodgers, I just think is pure gold. Well, they clearly made the right decision and decided to hold up a little bit and waited for Jordan Love and wait for the first round pick. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. That, oh, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, which is I don't Pretty. know. I mean, when you think about that, which one is the better pick? <laughs> you know, they both in my. If you consider draft, if you consider situation and draft prospect, Drew uh, uh, Drew Locke was the better one. <laughs> you know, like you have to think, like Drew Locke, while he he was terrible, I've I don't think I've ever seen a quarter. The only first round quarterback that I can remember in recent memory that's been as bad as Jordan Love. Um, <laughs> was funny enough uh, uh Paxton Lynch and we never even saw him play really because yeah. he was so bad um and that that was obviously a worse draft pick but Jordan Love is right there yeah Paxton Lynch and then um Josh Rosen <laughs> oh yeah Josh Rosen but even like Josh Rosen like I feel like Jordan Love played better I think like Josh Rosen his rookie year at least there was like a little bit of oh you know, a team traded a second-round pick for him after that. We need to remember that. The Dolphins traded a second-round pick to get Rosen from the Cardinals. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I certainly think that, uh, man, Jordan Love's just so bad. I heard uh, someone on the Around the NFL podcast, which is a great podcast uh, to listen to if you care about all the NFL uh, one, one of them called uh, Trey Lance Jordan Love 2.0. I was like, that is about the worst thing you can say about a quarterback. Because uh, yeah, there, there's, there's some, yeah, there's some rumors going around that uh, Trey Lance is not quite ready yet. And they might actually keep Jimmy G for another year, which, man. I don't um, think you can, man. I don't think if you're the 49ers, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like... Is and I didn't think that like Trey Lance was like all that bad. Like he didn't look great his first year, but you kind of just have to. Like once a quarterback sits past his second season, you get concerned, man. At least with Jordan Love, you could be like, hey, you know, he has Aaron Rodgers in front of him, so you you can make the the and Aaron Rodgers put up back to back MVP years. Trey Lance, you got Jimmy G in front of you, man. <laughs> you got Jimmy G in front of you. And I wonder how much right now the 49ers are regretting not drafting either Mac Jones or Justin Fields right now. I don't even know if it should be like that level of regret or maybe just going elsewhere. Um, you know, obviously, I, you know, Jimmy G is not 
It, it, he isn't a franchise quarterback. Um, he's taken them to some success, but a lot of it's been the team that he's had around him. I think with Trey Lance, they just got to let him go out there and play. You know, To me, yeah. when I was watching him when we were doing the build-up to last year, um, I was pretty fond of him, to say the least. I made you know quite a few remarks saying that I think he should be the guy that the Bears take. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, fortunately, the Bears made the right move, got out and took Justin Fields. Um, but I think with we didn't make the right move. We got extremely lucky. I think. Well, I mean, we got lucky, and of course, Trey Lance was picked. It was prior. like the no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Trey Lance was picked. Prior. There was um, what their only choice at that point, if they're trading up, was Mac Jones or, or yeah, Justin. Yeah, and Fields. I did not want Mac. I did not want Mac Jones. Yeah, and I think ultimately the Bears made the right pick for themselves. Um, but I think with Trey Lance, when I was watching his tape coming out of college, it was you got to let this man play. Um, to me, I don't think he's exactly exactly like a Kyler Murray type, but he's someone that, you know, he's someone that creates in the pocket, someone that needs to move around um, and also has some pretty good mobility as well. So you kind of just got to let out, let him go out there and figure it out. Cause I don't think he's someone that's, you know, he needs to figure out the intricacies of the passing scheme. He's never going to be the best raw passer in this draft class. Like that's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, so yeah, not not quite sure what the 49ers are planning, but I think if they decide to hold on to Jimmy G for another year, um, no matter how bad Trey Lance can be, I think it's a mistake. They're doing themselves a disservice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you have to at least try, uh, especially because they gave up, what, like three first-round picks to move up to get them? They go up a decent haul. Yeah. They- yeah, so they don't have a first-round pick. I think they had two last year, and then they, they gave up a first-round pick this year, too. So they don't have a dra- draft pick this year. So if you're not playing – then then this kind of also goes back to Kyle Shanahan a little bit. He's kind of had a history of these skeptical calls when it comes to managing the roster and who's starting and who's not. Uh, everyone forgets uh, Ohio State running back, uh, Trey Sermon, uh, who was drafted by them as well. And, uh, you know, he has yet to see the field. I think he was drafted in like the second or third round. Hasn't seen the field. They had Elijah Mitchell starting over him, which Elijah Mitchell has been good. But like, don't you want your third round pick to get a couple snaps? Yeah, it's like outside of Debo last year, the 49ers had a lot of players, which obviously Elijah Mitchell didn't really have as many games played, but he just fell just short of like a thousand yards and the other players like Ayuk and all of them, they kind of just put up like mm-hmm. a little bit above average, like stat lines. And it's like, no one really is like a super high performer besides Debo, at least on a consistent mm-hmm. basis, which just they're an odd team. And I, I appreciate what they do as far as sped, spreading the ball around. Um, but it, they just seem like a team that has a lot of talent, but then just doesn't always use it well. Um, and like you said, yeah, I mean, there's always some like roster moves. There's some players that obviously aren't going to be moved out of their roster spot. But then there's some, you know, obviously at the quarterback position is the biggest question mark. Um, and they just they juggle running backs, which I think in, in today's NFL is a, a fine practice. But I mean, Raheem Mostert seems like an old name and he was just like they're starting running mm-hmm. back literally a year ago so <laughs> yeah certainly all right well let's go i had to move on to the bears news i know some of our fans are probably annoyed with us so like get 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 onto the fucking bears news all right we will we have some very important signings that happened the bears last week they signed linebacker noah dawkins inside linebacker and inside linebacker joe thomas today coming out of retirement from the browns decided <laughs> to take up that linebacker position 
Uh, just kidding, guys. It's it's clearly a different Joe Thomas. I, although I would sign up for uh, seeing uh, old Joe Thomas try to play uh, play some play some inside linebacker now. Yeah, play the Sam or the Will, you know. Um, yeah, put him out there. See what we can do. <laughs> Hall of Fame talent. So, so the real question is, which signing do you like the most? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really, each of these signings, I mean, they seem like camp bodies to me, mostly, mm-hmm. um, as far as getting some depth there. I'm sure, um, you know, Dawkins, I'm pretty sure that each of them might make the roster just because the Bears are reshaping their their defense entirely here, but these are people that could clearly be cut, especially if the draft shakes out, you know, a different way than we expect or, you know, undrafted free agency camp performance injuries. So many things can change by the time um, from here to when the bears finally take the field for their first regular season game. Um, It's nearly unpredictable to go ahead and make assumptions like roster cuts. Um, but I mean, neither of these guys are people I'm really going to be expecting to make in too many big plays for the bears this coming year. Um, but you know, with the shift back into the four, three, they needed to pick up some players that, you know, the Sam and will, uh, linebacking positions that they really just kind of need to be started up from scratch. So ultimately it's good to get, you know, at least two bodies that, that can play in that realm and, um, we'll see what it means as, uh, you know, the Bears add more and more linebackers. What does that mean for someone like Danny Trevathan? Um, you figure that, you know, they're likely on the way out. But, you know, the Bears got to do some addition before they can, uh, you know, subtract players like that. But I'm sure they'll end up getting rid of Danny Trevathan no matter what. Yeah, that'll be interesting to find out. I think Danny Trevathan is just a little bit past his prime. And really, who knows about these guys? No, Dawkins. I know that he was on... The starting roster for the, uh, or not the starting roster, but he was on the 53-man roster uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's, you know, that's good that he was able to make that, especially with a a team that has a pretty good linebacker room too. Um, And and Joe Thomas, I honestly don't know too much about. I'm just happy that this regime is finding more creative ways to add to this roster. You know, I mean, I always felt like there was so much left on the table by the last regime. As much as I actually liked Ryan Pace and thought he was really good in the draft, my big gripe with him is I just felt like he wasn't creative enough in the way that he would try to acquire talent, and uh, he didn't take enough flyers on guys. Yeah, absolutely. So like I, I, I and I, I hope that changes with this regime. I mean, how many times did we call for uh, a player to be signed uh, and, and the Bears just sat on their and their hands and he ended up being pretty good every I mean, damn week until the trade deadline? Nearly. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, and really, talent acquisition should never stop. And, of course, these are kind of mm. like transactions that happen before free agency really officially opens up. But, you know, the Bears should be, you know, looking to acquire talent from here until the end of whenever, like, next season is for them, um, if they make the playoffs mm. or not. But, you know, the best teams are out there. They're adding players midseason if they have to. Any way they can. Yeah, in any way they can. Um no matter what it may be. So I think that the Bears do need to transition into that, and I'm hoping that Ryan Poles, who's coming from a background with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a team that, you know, they added throughout the year. They built up. Um, When injuries happened, they decided to go out and make moves. I think, what, they got Melvin Ingram this past year um, via Mm -hmm. trade before the trade deadline, which, you know, worked out right for them. So you got to go out there. You got to take a shot when you need to take it. And like you said, yeah, you don't 
you're never going to figure out if they're a good player if you never take the chance on them. And, you know, the pace regime just never really took enough chances on guys outside of the draft, and it eventually caught up to them. They just got a little strapped at some positions. And uh, luckily, you know, hopefully building early, um, taking these shots. And I think with Noah Dawkins, uh, or with Dawkins, he was um, – I thought he was on the Jets, though, too, right? And then he yeah, he was being on, like, the practice squad or, or something like that. So kind of an interesting road for him. Um, but clearly, like you said, if he made the 53-man roster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a linebacking room that has Devin White and, and plenty other uh, great linebackers in there, amazing front seven. So obviously he did something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, how, man, it, I always go back to the Leonard Fournette uh issue that we had with Ryan Pace when he was sitting there on the road. We needed a running back. We we even had questions at the time when David Montgomery was if he was going to be healthy uh for week 1. Remember? Yeah. And uh there was just there was no effort. There was no effort there. We just sat on their hands and out of the entire time of Ryan Pace being with the Bears, sure he made that Khalil Mack trade, but outside of it, the only two trades we ever really did besides trading Brandon Marshall away in his first year was uh, the the acquisition we had this year um, for uh, our returner. What's his freaking name? Grant. Joaquin Grant. Oh, God, I always forget his name. Uh, Joaquin Grant. And then also uh, Dontrell Inman back in 2017. <laughs> what that a was the only other trade. Yeah, right? Uh, he, you know, the funny thing is he was our best wide receiver <laughs> that year. So really what a pickup. Um, but yeah, even like you see how like the best teams are creative in their acquisitions and not just restate what you said, but like even like the Bucks going and getting Antonio Brown, I mean, a, a couple of good teams even tested out Josh, Josh Gordon, obviously I'm not calling for the bears to do that. Cause that has pretty, I mean, even when he's, you know, not getting suspended, he wasn't even really performing that well towards the end of uh, his tenure. But I mean, he was with the chiefs and then the Patriots had him and the Seahawks picked him up for a little bit. So, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, really, I, I hope that this regime puts an end to that. And it, it kind of seems like Ryan Poles is willing to do that. I'm not going to overreact to the first couple of signings that we have right here before free agency, but overall what he's saying more. So it sounds like he's going to look more towards that. Yeah, and we'll see how the rest of it plays out. I think that, you know, he's made it pretty clear the kind of players, at least that they're looking for mentality-wise, haven't really hinted all too much about, you know, personnel decisions. That's going to stay pretty under wraps. But, you know, guys out there, I think we're going to see quite a few pickups in this free agency as well, which are maybe players that are a little bit understated, but are definitely effort guys. I mean, it has to line up with um, the coaching staff and, I think you're going to see a decent run, especially on depth players. They're going to they're going to pick up depth players that they want to play football, that if their number gets called and they go out there, mm-hmm. they're going to give it 100 percent, 110 percent or even better. Um, and that's going to be figured out. I, I think that it's going to be interesting in this camp. I think what we talked about this maybe a couple podcasts ago. Um, but really, like mini camp, uh, training camp, it's going to be interesting to see how this new um, coaching staff handles it and, you know, kind of how the differences in the mentality of the players. Because I think that we saw in the past, you know, the past four years with, with Matt Nagy, it was just kind of a very lax 
attitude. And of course, you know, since mm-hmm. they moved back to, to Lake Forest, to House Hall and doing their training camp, we haven't watched them as much. And the pandemic really kind of cut down uh, a little bit of the exposure that we get to see. But everything was always kind of lax at, at naggy training camps. And I think we're going to see players that not only just kind of fit a mold that's, that's totally different. I think that the Bears are going to have a a different identity, if you will, heading into this year. And I think that's really their principal motivation in picking up these players. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, we should also talk about the Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus press conference. Um, so today is obviously the, the commencement of the combine. A lot of the GMs and head coaches talked to the media. Um, and this was really the first time we got to hear from both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus since their initial sign-on day and, and you know, really announcing their hirings. And at that point, they were just kind of getting in the building. They didn't really have time to go over the roster probably as in-depthly as they'd like to. Um, they, you know, they, they didn't really have everything that they do now. So I, I kind of was looking forward to this and, and hoping that it was going to be a little more fruitful than their opening pressers. Uh, and I, you know, I think to a certain extent it, it was, I, I really liked, I would say it was almost a refreshing honesty from Ryan Poles. Like, um, if he said, like, if he couldn't get into something because there's obviously like rules at the NFL, um, about how like tampering rules and certain things about players, uh, not quite as bad as the NBA, but, uh, there's still those that exist in the NFL, um, and whenever he couldn't really get into something, he was upfront honest and said, Hey, I, I can't really get into this. And uh, I actually felt like we got to s- get a little bit more into his philosophy more so, so than I think we ever saw really with Ryan pace. And we'll see how much he lives up to that philosophy. But, uh, just to start off, one thing that really struck me is, uh, when we talked about the offensive line, he made it very clear that there were going to be changes there. And he also made a specific, uh, note that, uh, they're going to be looking to get leaner and quicker. Um, and on top of that, they're going to actually really emphasize body fat percentage. Uh, I think Ibraflus uh, kind of gave us a key into that body fat percentage, and they're going to track body fat percentage. And this is going to be a huge focus going forward. I was really excited to see that. Um, and I'm happy to see, you know, he kind of understands. It makes sense uh, when you have this, you know, Shanahan uh, run scheme, I should say. It's kind of like an outside zone. Uh, you got to get your big man downfield, uh, blocking downfield. So you need a little leaner, quicker guys, not just the, you know, big maulers in the front. Yeah. And I think that, you know, <laughs> relatively, um, you know, from a very kind of just general viewpoint, um, I think a lot of people just agree as long as the offensive line got better this offseason, then a lot of progress was made. But I think that in that right, I think it's kind of two steps in the right direction for the Bears. I mean, this has been an offensive line that, oh, more than anything. I mean, when's the last time you saw a, a Bears offensive lineman like successfully pull or, or do like successfully make a trap block? Like it's just I don't even know if they know what that is. It's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. And when you when you bring in, you know, like you said, with kind of a little bit more of a, a West Coast running scheme um, the traditionally, I mean, I uh, think back when, you know, I'm is it Bill Walsh is the like old 49ers coach mm-hmm. uh, with Joe Montana. Yeah. Like they, it, the West coast offense at like it's very origins usually had, you know, more limber offensive linemen that can go out and make kind of more athletic plays um, to say the least. And this is kind of following in that footprint. So I'm very happy to see that just kind of logical decisions are being made. Um, 
because that is going to help immensely. I mean, you talk about being able to come up with different run schemes um, and maybe just not only rely and you can significantly lean on like zone running schemes and and utilize zone reads and stuff like that. And we definitely expect that to be a part of Getsy's offense. Um, but also, too, you can do more conventional running schemes. I mean, look at what even with Shanahan was doing with San Francisco all throughout this past year. Um, very effective at running the ball and by just bringing in some motion and by moving, by pulling guards, um, pulling the center on occasion, you know, you got to see kind of just different variety within the run game by not changing all too much. Um, so I think that's going to be a huge step forward for the bears. And, you know, as far as what that means for pass protection, it's kind of hard to say cause it's still very player dependent. Um, but I do think that, you know, bringing in a little bit more athleticism, it's something you have to do in today's offensive line. I mean, <laughs> some of the biggest free athletes come into the league are the edge rushing positions. I mean, it's usually every draft now we get to see two or three elite edge rushers come off the board in the top 10 of the draft. It's just college football yeah. is pumping it out. Um, some of the best athletes playing football are in that edge position. So it's just logical. And in order to combat that, um, you need, uh, you know, not only interior offensive linemen that can get out into space and make a block, but you also need your tackles to be athletic, to keep up, to be able to have the handwork and footwork to keep up with these edge rushers. So, yeah, needless to say, I think that's a, a huge step forward. And I was glad that, you know, Ryan Poles came out and said something about it. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been disappointed if he didn't make a statement, but at least to see that vision and. Also, I think another thing that stands out to me from listening to this press conference, it just seems like people in the front office are more actively involved with each other. Um, it just sounds more like, you know, kind of like we statements. I think with Pace, sometimes it just seemed like, you know, it's just the Pace show um, that he was running it. And obviously there were other assistants involved, but um, I think it's kind of clear that the vision is a little bit more broad, that it's shared amongst other perspectives. Um, and, you know, one thing that was beat to death in, in 2021 at the beginning of the year was collaboration um, between Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Um, but it finally seems like we actually got some some real collaboration and not just, uh, you know, not just words. Not just mentioning collaboration yeah, all the exactly. time. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like also Matt Nagy was the king of mentioning the wise. Oh. You know, like he he's like, we need to figure out the whys. I'm, I was so I was so sick of freaking hearing that. I was so happy to also see Matt Eberflus when he came in. He's like, we're going to show them the whys. Like, we don't even need to find them out. We're going to know why we are a certain way. We're going to show the team. And instead of Matt Nagy, who's looking for that why every freaking day, I uh, had no clue. And, and really, the, 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 the person with the big red why painted on his shirt was Matt Nagy himself. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, it's hard to react to these press conferences, but just a couple other notes that I had, uh, Ro Roquan Smith and fields, uh, Ryan Poles brought both of those guys up immediately when he talked about the talent on, his, on the team. Uh, I, I think it's, it's very, uh, safe to say that these two are going to be probably, you know, obviously the quarterback himself and then the quarterback of the defense, Roquan Smith. Um, I, they're going to be here for a long time. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, I think that when a player's name is brought up and mentioned directly, kind of gives you a little more uh, trust in it. Another player he brought up was Darnell Mooney. Uh, said he really uh, appreciated the person that Mooney is. Thinks he's a really good player and a really well-motivated player. Said he likes the run game, but didn't specifically mention David Montgomery by name, which I thought was a little interesting. If you're going to bring up Fields and Mooney, uh, you kind of... 
figure that Montgomery would potentially be mentioned considering he's been also one of the most productive young players. Um, is that hinting at him potentially not going to re-sign him? Maybe, uh, maybe not. Uh, but I also, again, think that he said he likes the run game. I, I do wonder if we could still try to upgrade there. And he also just didn't give an injury update for Cohen. Um, any thoughts on any, on the rest of the press conference, Reese? Man, what what if she came out and he was just like talking about you know, Nick Foles all day? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the young leaders of this team, Roquan Smith, Nick Foles, <laughs> that would have been uh, brutal. Yeah, no. I mean, honestly, I, or he goes Andy Dalton. <laughs> I, I, exactly, Andy Dalton. Yeah, I, I think Justin Fields, Roquan Smith, those are easy plug and play names. I don't think there's anyone easier to talk up on the Chicago Bears right now than Roquan Smith. Um, you know, yeah. he just easily has the most consistency and still upside and potential to grow into and has been delivering at that position, you know, very well the past three years. Um, so Ro- every year Roquan Smith is, is easy to talk about Justin Fields, you know, I mean, you gotta go out there, support the quarterback. So I'm, I'm glad that he threw him out there. I think Darno Mooney, um, that was somewhat logical. You know, I think that, you know, with someone like Mooney, there's a lot of talk about getting that wide receiver one, um, but I still think they want to keep Darnell Mooney happy because, you know, not only is he <laughs> one of the two receivers that are currently on the roster, um, but he's obviously going to be a big part of the offensive game plan moving forward. Uh, you know, he broke a thousand yards this season. And if you're in the camp that says, oh, well, he took the ball out of Robinson's hands and shoved it down Mooney's throat. Hey, he's still out there. He still caught the passes, uh, made the plays. I don't think there's too many Bears fans are questioning, you know, his ability, you know, maybe not as a wide receiver one, but as a very starting or a very, very competent, you know, star uh, second wide receiver. And when you and I would even argue, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I would even argue to those people. I think that this year for Darnell Mooney was even more impressive because he really was the number one wide receiver yeah. throughout the entire year. And, and I think so. And I think that, you know, as far as just effort level too, if you want to talk about it, um, not to make this into a whole Allen Robinson kind of thing, but as the season went on, I didn't really see too many plays where I found, you know, Darnell Mooney taking, you know, too many plays off. Um, he was still yeah. out there trying to make plays, trying to make things happen, um, which I think Justin Fields appreciated. Um, and, and for the, you know, the, the David Montgomery thing, I think it's interesting for someone like Poles because I think he kind of had a little bit of a similar situation in Kansas City. I mean, if you want to look at the kind of running back mm-hmm. that Clyde's Edwards Alaire is, not mm-hmm. exactly like David Montgomery, but maybe similar in their limitations at the mm-hmm. running back position. And um, who mm-hmm. is it we got to see so much of in the playoffs? It was McKinnon, right? Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. I don't think that kind of situation is all too different um, for the Bears. It seems like David Montgomery has proven to be a very good running back. Um, We talked about this in a couple podcasts ago. But it's just like in today's NFL, and we'll see with Luke Luke Getze's, you know, the way he wants to build the offense. But it seems like... You know, there's just more situations where it makes sense to have someone like Khalil Herbert on the field. So I don't think that, you know, Poles wants to necessarily take a, a huge leap and, and be commending David Montgomery because I think it's likely. I, I mean, I, I would be very surprised if we get a depth chart that comes back and Khalil Herbert's the, the first running back. Mm-hmm. I, I think David Montgomery will be that first running back. But I think what we see 
um, on a week in week out basis. And as far as just being able to strategize a bit more, I think there's definitely going to be some games and in the majority of the games of the season, we're going to see a lot more of Khalil Herbert situationally. Um, mm. and, and I think that, you know, the touches might not be 50, 50, um, but we're going to see something cl- creep a little bit closer to that than we, at least what we saw last year. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely right. I'll say it time after time again. The way that Matt ne- Matt Nagy just completely screwed over Khalil Herbert, even though he had a great, a couple of great, great games against really good teams in the absence of David Montgomery, was criminal. And it goes back to just like the entire. I mean, we don't want to keep talking about Matt Nagy, uh, but it goes kind of back to like the whole thing where it's like he needed to be seen more. He needed to be featured more. So I, I do want to see more of Khalil Herbert. And would it surprise me? I, I don't think, I think just based on his leadership, David Montgomery might be the number one running back in, but would it surprise me if during the season they start to roll more with Khalil Herbert as he gets more and more productive? And if David Montgomery isn't showing what they're looking for him to show, not really. And I also think it might even be valuable to add another running back. People might say I'm crazy with that. I just, there's a couple guys that are just such good values in this free agency class. A guy like Ronald Jones, who I was super high on in the draft, obviously didn't live quite up to it, but you know, as far as a guy goes, that's like the, the perfect mold of what you'd want out of a number one running back. That's him. That's Ronald Jones. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. And uh, I think, you know, putting him in there and just seeing how this shakes out. And if you get better, you get better. If not, you're wasting like two, $3 million. I think that's absolutely. I personally think a healthy Ronald Jones could might drive David Montgomery off this team. (laughs) Yeah, realistically, two three million dollars, two three million dollar contract is what he's estimated. Yeah, and it's just as far as a skill set goes, you know, Ronald Jones has the the size um, and he has the ability to break tackles, and that speed is just on a different everything on a different level uh, than David Montgomery. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to be slandering David Montgomery. He's obviously a great player, and he's the number one leader on this Bears well, offense currently. So we got to be somewhat fair, though. I mean, we're always pretty critical of starting running back for the Chicago Bears, um, and I, I think that until we get, you know, a, a, a certified elite running back, I think that you and I will continue to be critical um, because yeah. unless you're an elite running back, it's really tough to, you know give value especially when you can get someone like ronald jones like you said at like you know three million dollars it really makes you think like okay when when david montgomery's contract does come up realistically how much would we want to pay him you know because you have to judge him against you know everyone else and i think that it's really nice and easy for bears fans to like david montgomery i like david montgomery i think that he is most certainly you know creeping up towards the top 10 of running backs in the league um but you know, we, we, we in Chicago, we get used to liking what we see. Um, and, and I don't think, you know, either you or I, Austin, will give up uh, the love that uh, Bears fans had for Jordan Howard and, and how much we love to tell them that they were wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I still think it's funny when I we get in the comments every once in a while still, even nowadays, that we should have never traded Jordan Howard. <laughs> that has to be one of the funniest takes uh, we, we get. Um, especially considering that he's done nothing in the NFL since being 
uh, on this team. And I know hate towards Jordan Howard. He gave this team a lot. I want to hate on him. I'm just hating towards the fans that acted like he was, <laughs> you know, the second coming of Christ for uh, three straight seasons. Uh, even after he would get probably about two yards of carry per, like, every single time it was handed to him. He's, he was Mr. Two Yards all the 2018 season. Um, but nonetheless, I think we need to talk a little bit more about how should the Bears build this team around Justin Fields? Now, we talked a lot about, you know, realistically, like we should be kind of retooling. But at the same time, we need to keep in mind that we have a young quarterback and need to surround him with talent. Uh, The best case scenario, obviously, is we surround him with good young talent. uh, But that might not always be there. So how do you really want to see the Bears, like, approach building a team around Justin Fields and specifically let's focus on offense. Like, are you going to want to see the majority of the assets invest in the offensive line wide receiver? Do you want to add another tight end? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I think ideally, um, you know, starting off with the skill positions, I think with wide receiver, um, I I really kind of want a little bit of everything at wide receiver. And that seems like so general and and non-helpful, but I really do want, you know, someone that's a, a more physical wide receiver, someone that can go up along the boundary, um, catch the fade route in the red zone. You know, someone that's just a bigger body, ideally like, a, you know, 6'3", 6'5", wide receiver. Um, and also, too, I mean, I think that the Bears need uh, a couple couple guys that are good, like combination players, maybe a little bit more like that Allen Robinson mold that are good route runners, maybe don't have elite speed, but decent enough quickness to create separation <laughs> at least in, in you know good days for Allen Robinson because there's some days you'd never create separation um but I, I think that they need to get a little bit of each of that and of course you know the way the league's moving I mean I think you know maybe re-signing a Jakeem Grant and and finding another guy that can be a speedy kind of twitch guy to have out of the slot um, some possession receivers they they need a little bit of both where they can drive the ball downfield the Bears really need to on the offensive side of the ball. They need to evolve into an offense that can really kind of hit you at all levels. And that this has been something that I think that um, you and I have been harping on for a while is that there's always just been too much predictability in the Bears offense. And I think that there's adjustments to be made both vertically down the field and also horizontally. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, the Bears do have flexibility in this. I mean, they do have a couple decent tight ends. I mean, it's, it's still not, not great in that situation. I think that if they retain Jesse James, um, keep Cole Komet, I'd like to see, you know, Jesper Horstead stay around, but I think it's time to start, you know, getting rid of some of the dead weight at the tight end position, maybe bring in some new faces. I mean, um, JP Holtz, I do not think he's a bad player. He's a good special teamer. Um, but it's just like, how long are we going to continue to ride on players like this and, and not give someone like Jesper Horstead touches, um, I would even think about too, I think that there's a little bit of internal scouting that can occur. I mean, what if you take someone like Jesper Horstead and maybe try to do a little bit of a slot deal with him? Mm. Um, you know, I, be I think that at least it, it maybe gives him a chance at maybe validating the roster spot a little bit more. Um, and then I think that, you know, as far as the offensive line goes, I do think that kind of going quicker and leaner is, is a smart way to do it. Um, but I think that even this too, with wide receivers, all that, if Luke gets I think the initial impression that we got about it was there's going to be, you know, a lot of RPO or maybe not a lot, but really, you know, a lot more than we've seen, um, with the bears currently, 
Um, but I, I think that also with Justin Fields' preference of you know kind of taking ball, uh, taking the ball from under center. Um, I, I think that they also need to kind of draw some things up traditionally. So they kind of need to breed themselves into be a, a multiple offense kind of system um, where they're not necessarily always going to be playing out a shotgun and, and always doing RPOs and keeping things, you know, super simple and, and sweet. I think this is also an offense that can, you know, on first down, they can hit you with the RPO. And then on second down, you know, they can hit you with the play action and go deep downfield and, and take that play action from under center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think ultimately they need, they need versatility and it. it seems kind of like, once again, not helpful, but they just need a different breed of players than we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. I think that the one position we really need to invest in, that's what this show is all going to be about. We haven't even mentioned this <laughs> and that's our fault, but really this uh, show is going to be about the state of the offensive line. And we're going to get into that a little bit in a little bit, but um, offensive line needs to be fixed this year. Because you can scheme wide receivers open. You can scheme up throws. Obviously, you need some decent wide receivers. But if we're going to be th- like thin anywhere, I don't want it to be offensive line. I'm okay with going with only Cole Komet as our tight end. Um, we definitely obviously need to add a couple wide receivers considering we have two wide receivers. But, you know, if we don't make that super splash signing, uh, I could even live with that as well. But what I I think that we just need to be completely fixed is that offensive line. And until that is fixed, I think we're going to really be hampering Justin Fields' growth. I agree, though. Wide receiver, I don't think we need like a, a, a true number one wide receiver. Would I love to have a number one wide receiver? Yes. But I think getting someone like a, you know, Mike Williams who – has kind of been in a similar, you know, uh, situation there with what what the Chargers have, where he never really was the true number one because they had Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen was never really the true number one either. Like they kind of shared responsibilities in that regard. And I think it would just make way too much sense to get a guy that has the body and, and size of Mike Williams. Um, I just, I, I think someone like that there would be very beneficial. Um, especially, and that kind of matches up with what Ryan Poles is looking for too, when he was mentioning reliability, uh, from a wide receiver for developing a young quarterback earlier today. I, we just, we can't go thin on this offensive line, man. We just can't. Yeah. And I mean, I agree. The offensive line, I think has been priority number one all along. I think that's part of the reason why Ryan Poles got the job. Um, frankly, um, so I, I do think there's a lot that needs to be done there. It's just, I think it's tough to necessarily, since it's a unit, you know, the offensive line's a unit, it's tough to necessarily go, okay, well, they need to plug and, and play things here and here and here, especially when you get more and more deep down the list of offensive linemen. It's just, it's tough to see how an offensive lineman is going to operate, you know, outside of the situation they're just in. Um, and that goes for anyone that was a college player or also, um, you know, on a professional roster, if you're getting them as a free agent, I mean, sometimes there's always other elements that need to be brought into play. So I, I think that, you know, the bears obviously have a lot, a lot of work to do along the offensive line. I just think like, if I could put what I said into a couple words, it would just be, I mean, I just want some players that want to score like touchdowns, man. I want some players mm-hmm. that when we get into the red zone, like they want to get into the end zone. Cause I, it's just yeah. that drive, that ambition was not there. hasn't been there for the past 
you know, like three years for the Bears. Um, 2020 there. Cole Komet didn't score a touchdown last season. I know. And I think that was another thing, too, is like you said, we're fine with like Komet. I think that we're going to have to be fine with Komet. And because I don't see the Bears being big players in the free agent market for any of these tight ends. And drafting another tight end isn't necessarily going to be an immediate help because they usually take a little bit longer to develop as we're seeing with Cole Komet. But man, a good tight end would do uh, do the Bears so so much good, and yeah, I th- and I, yeah, I just want to clarify, I I don't think Komet's that good, but I think we're gonna be forced. Yeah, to be exactly, fine with exactly, <laughs> and uh, that's basically what I was saying. I think we're gonna be forced to be yeah. fine with Komet. Um, it's just there's still a lot of work to be done there, uh, you know. But imagine what this offense could do with someone that was like an elite level tight end. It would ease so much pressure it even make this whole wide receiver like search so much easier um because what you can do with tight ends today in the modern day nfl is it, it takes off so much pressure from slot receivers even um your x and y receiver or x and z receivers it, it just oh dude i don't even i i'm been so frustrated imagine with having it, it it's like having someone like a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey just is game changing. A hundred percent. Or even, man, who, who's the, the Miami tight end? Oh, Mike Gusecki. Yeah, if he's available, I have a feeling he's going to be franchise tag, sadly. But if he's available, go get players. I, go get I doubt they will. I mean, if Gusecki's available, I, I doubt they will. But, yeah, to have someone that could actually catch a damn pass would be would be nice. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is Cole Komet, I like he he had a decent season for a second year. Like if you look at just the stats, his progression this year, not including touchdowns, I should say. Uh, if you look at like the yards number, it's like on par with a, a tight end that's going to be have a pretty good year three, which is typically when tight ends have a breakout season. But what's just so concerning from Komet for me is just like a not being able to catch a touchdown. And, and maybe that is Matt Nagy because I think Matt Nagy wanted to fit him in the Jimmy Graham mold where he was just going to box out and go grab the ball. I don't know if Komet's going to be that guy. You know, I truly don't think he's going to be that guy. I think Komet, you might need to scheme him open a little bit. Um, that being said, like, I'm just like, I get concerned because it was just so inconsistent and the drops and like that man needs to, I, I want to see him every single day after camp be on the jugs machine. <laughs> yeah. Like literally every every single day. He needs to because there were so many times where it just hit him dead in the hand. Either ended up in an interception or he just dropped it completely on big time plays. Like must make plays too. Third down situation, fourth down situations. Yeah. I, I think it's a mentality thing too, man. I want to see him play angry. Think he's soft? I I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> without saying that he's soft, I feel like he just kind of plays football. He's out there just playing football like the elite tight ends, you know, even if they're not someone that's a great blocker um, and there's just more of a receiving tight end, they're still playing angry. You know, if, if a safety is coming up to hit them, they're dropping their pads on them. It's just commit. It just it seems too easy. It always seems too mm-hmm. easy to bring him down. Um, he's not doing enough of boxing out and, and getting in front of a, a linebacker or a safety that might be trying to make a break on the ball. Um, he, he's just not doing a good enough job of that. But, yeah, I think some of it was improper use. He's never going to be the Jimmy Graham jump ball tight end going up and get that 
get that fade. He's going to be someone that's you use him a little bit more in the middle or, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a brief little um, kind of just like flank route out to the boundary. He's, he's not someone that you want deep in the end zone. He's someone I want catching passes shallow in the end zone for touchdowns. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that, that ends my little, my digression there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, maybe this is something that Eberflus can help him with too. Um, that that level of loafing, and you know, even at times with Darnell Mooney, while I think he tried his hardest, I, I again, this is just like a common theme with Bears players, not named like I would say the exception being Justin Fields, David Montgomery, Roquan Smith, and uh, even Tevin Jenkins is like they just played with such like I don't know, they didn't have that mentality, and I think that was something that we were also critical with Ryan Pace is he never really valued that, you know hardcore Super Bowl winning mentality, aggressive mentality that a lot of really good football teams really heavily value. Um, so hopefully that this new coaching staff can set a new standard and, and that can be, you know, Komet's new medium. And if he, I listen, I'm not even putting it past Komet for him having an amazing season next year. You know, I think he can reach into that 800 yards if we have a successful offense. I think he can catch five, six touchdowns. Um which would be infinite an infinite percentage more than he caught this year. <laughs> but that being said, it's it's going to take some work to get there. Yeah. And it's a little hard to bet on. And also, too, just want to say this because I saw a YouTube comment about it. Because um, I think we made a comment in the past uh, podcast talking about if they scored 23 points per game. It was probably me saying that I'd, like, I'd still be like upset with that. Like, I want more. I want this team to creep closer to 30. And, you know, everyone was pointing out like, hey, like the team only put up like 17 points per game or something last year. I don't even know if that number is accurate, but it sounds okay. Um, (laughs) But it's just like the the team's main weakness was in the red zone. Like there were some terrible games like the Browns. I want to say the Buccaneers, too, where the team barely moved the ball. They were just trash offensively. They were just overmatched, honestly, especially with where the offensive line was at. But most games... The Bears were moving the football, and it was just criminal at how bad they were executing within like the 30-yard line, especially into the yeah. red zone. And they left yep. so many points on the board. So moving from a 17 points per game to a 23 points per game is just this team learning to finally learn how to put the ball in the damn end zone. So Yeah, they would. you could have almost an identical offense, just maybe even a little bit better luck next year <laughs> you know just getting the ball in like i i think that realistically and i saw uh, another comment say that would have ranked to 17th in the nfl we were 28th in the nfl with 17 points per game what i'm surprised that's not dead last oh i know that is that is absolute garbage i mean like i can't even tell you like God, I, I want to say even in the John Fox era, some of the years we average more than 17 points per game. Yeah. And like, I don't need this Bears team to go out there and like drop 40 every week, but they should be a team that should be able to drop 40 a couple times during the season. Like that should yeah. happen. Like you should hit a groove and doesn't necessarily have to be against a bad team, but you should be in a favorable matchup that you exploit and exploit and then take advantage of it, make the other team change, which, you know, and also make adjustments for yourself during halftime, which, you know. I think they scored over 30 one or two times this past year. Yeah. Which is uh, incredibly bad. But, you know, let's let, let's talk a little bit more about this offensive line, man. 
So this is the state of the offensive lineup. So if you guys didn't see, yeah, <laughs> it's bad. End of podcast. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it, it, you guys, if you want to hear our wide receiver state, state of the wide receiver position, uh, you can check out that was the last episode. And here we're going to do a lot of profiles as far as free agents goes and uh, talk a little bit about their value and who we would think be good for fits for the team. But first we need to talk a little bit about, okay, in general, what would we like to see done? What's kind of the weak points here and who are we keeping? I think is even the bigger question. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start this off as far as the weak points go. While I think you can say the outside is a weak point and they didn't perform the best. Um, I still think we would be benefited to find ourselves a true left tackle and switch Tevin Jenkins over to right tackle. Uh, I've been calling for that all year and then move, uh, and then just move Larry Borum back to guard, which makes way too much sense. Um, but I won't get into it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the inside of this offensive line is just also digressed. Like I think that we're kind of bad everywhere. And while we do have a couple young, young, talented pieces, namely Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, and then maybe you can throw James Daniels in there. Um, it's just really hard to tell right now exactly what this offensive line needs, but I can assure you what we do need is a new center and we need to add like at least two new starters to this offensive line. Yeah. I I mean, what do you, I think even James Daniels might be a good jumping off point. Like what are the chances you think the bears re-sign him? Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about this today. Um, I'm going to say, I think it's more likely we re-sign Daniels than it is that we keep Cody White here. Because Daniels fits a Shanahan run scheme a lot better than White here. You know, yeah. White here, when he's talking about getting leaner and quicker, I was thinking in my head, White here's gone. That was the first thing that I immediately thought. Uh, White here, he's 30. He's getting paid like $10 million a year. Oh, man, I think he was like... He had a good year in like 2018 and was getting better and better. But like, I just, I don't know about him, man. He doesn't have that good lateral ability. I don't know if he can really push the ball upfield. Maybe they'll hang on to him because I'm not sure like that really the cap relief we'll get from it. But it would, I think I see it a lot more likely that we see Borum and Daniels rolling out next year as our two starting guards than it is seeing Cody Whitehair and Larry Borum. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's so complex, and yeah, I think with white hair, he can play center and he can play guard, so it's kind of like, ah, I'm not sure if they get rid of him, like at least to have him around, but at the same time, he's not going to be someone that you keep around as a depth piece, not at $10 million a year. Um, So, I mean, I figure that one of the two's probably got to go. I've seen so many rumors linking James Daniels to other teams, but it was just the comment that was made today by polls that you pointed back out, the lighter and quicker. It just that kind of fits the James Daniels mold. Um, but I'm with you. I want a left tackle. Um, I want Tevin Jenkins at the right tackle. Um, yeah, we need a new center. Um, we need a new center. You're not a big Sam Mustafer guy? No. And, and I, haven't, I haven't been. I think that that was purely a stopgap kind of deal. Um, I don't think we need to continue on. I don't think we're we're gonna see him develop much more than than he already is. And you know, frankly, if James Daniels stays, that's fine. 
Um, then I probably want white hair cut because we do need, I, I want to see someone new at guard too. And it could be Borum. I, I might be okay with that. Um, I think at least for this year, I would, re- if we could have the luxury of keeping Borum as like depth, I would feel mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah. I would feel really good about it. The likelihood of that, not a hundred percent sure if we're going to have quite that much luxury when it comes to the offensive line. But that would be ideal in my mind to be able to keep someone as Borum like depth and then go out there and get another guard as well. But I think first and foremost, I'd love to see a true left tackle um, and then, you know, a center. I think that would be priority 1A and 1B. If we can go out there and get a new guard, I'd be happy with it. Um, But I think those are the two main priorities. I'm kind of under the impression that I think we should go first and foremost and obviously target a left tackle get the best left tackle you can get sad thing is there's only two good left tackles really so like if you don't get the top two guys you might as well just run it back with uh jenkins and see see how things go um or try to get someone in the draft but i don't know man when you start talk about getting your starting left tackle later in the draft it's kind of always a risky move um, I would say though, like I am for getting both a, a center and a left tackle in free agency and then drafting another interior offensive lineman and ha- allowing him to battle it out with Bourne and just see who's better. Uh, um, yeah. I don't think we need to add like a third high end name per se. And I don't think they can necessarily do three high end names, but you know, you, do you not think that, you know, Jason Pierce doesn't fit the, the lighter and... <laughs> and quicker he's a few years past that maybe maybe last year (laughs) yeah right oh man yeah but let's go ahead and get into the player profiles at least um first off i I mentioned there's only really two good left tackles in this class and one of them are more than likely uh going to be re-signed uh let's start with teron armstead though i think teron teron armstead gets free i really do i don't think that this, I think the Saints are going to be willing to just kind of take their cap hit, you know, deal with the quarterback issue. I mean, they're having a coaching change. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to re-sign a 30-year-old Teron Armstead. And I also kind of question if Teron Armstead wants to even really be with the Saints right now, considering they're going to be in a rebuild. They don't really have an outlook for a playoffs and, and the bears are kind of more in a retooling state. I don't know how hard he's going to want to ring chase, but I also think he might just want to get a payday uh, sp- between Spo track and some other sites are kind of listing his estimated contract to be between 19 to 24 million per year. Listen, man, Toronto arm says the top five left tackle in the NFL you won't regret paying twenty four million for to to keep your young quarterback's blindside uh, clean for an entire year, for a couple of years at least. Yeah, and I think that you know, like you know, he's thirty, but it's not like he's thirty four, so it's not terrible quite yet. I mean, if he did like it here and wanted to stick around after this contract, you know, there'd be a chance he could re-sign him. Um, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. I think that Teron Armstead, as far as athlete goes at that tackle position, phenomenal. Um, we were even talking a little bit before this. There's a, if you want to go out there and look for it, there's a Bleacher Report article after the combine in 2013 talking about, you know, him playing tight end. So if that gives you an idea about, you know, his athletic ability, um, he definitely has it. And I think that he's proven his worth plenty um, in New Orleans. Um, 
you know, consistently being there on the left-hand side and that blindside support, you know, Justin Fields will appreciate it. Ultimately, too, it's just going to – it's nice to have an insurance on at least, like, one part of your offensive line to have someone that's just – you know is going to go out there and is going to going to make the block, you know, like 99 times out of 100. That's a bit of an mm-hmm. exaggeration. But is going to go out there and he's going to make the, the right play almost every time. Um, and that just adds so much assuredness. And then you can go out there and maybe don't, obviously the bears can't even quite do that. You don't need to get another player at Toronto Armstead's level, but it brings out, um, the best in everyone else, especially when they can kind of follow by his lead. So I yeah. think he'd be a fantastic person to, for the bears to look to pick up. Also just a, a culture setter. I feel like as well, like getting a really high end player and, and plugging him into your offensive line, it kind of changes your outlook. Um, and like even giving that hope to like young players like Tevin Jenkins, who then gets to switch back to the position he wanted to play, or he's, he's best at, I would say right tackle. And then you have a really good left tackle, right tackle combo. You feel very confident there. You have Borum on the inside or Daniels white hair. You have the option between those guys. Even if you just only got Tron Armstead there, you can switch, you know, Cody white hair to center. James Daniels, keep him and, and put him at guard and then Larry Borm at guard. And that's already a massive upgrade. Absolutely massive upgrade to this offensive line. Ideally, you add a couple more pieces there, but adding that one player just has that compounding effect, not even from a talent basis, but just like being able to keep everyone in their natural position, make them feel a little bit better. Um, I'd be very happy with uh, Toronto Armstead to say the least. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. Orlando Brown, uh, junior now he's not as good of a left tackle as uh Toronto Armstead but he's still a very good left tackle and he's only 25 years old so he's really young the issue with Orlando Brown is that I cannot see a situation where the Chiefs I mean maybe I'll give it like a 10-15% chance the Chiefs let him walk since they just traded for him um it seems like he's gonna get another contract yeah, it seems like he's getting another contract. Um, you know, a lot of the reports kind of like locally out of Kansas City say he's a very likely um, recipient of their franchise tag, which mm-hmm. could very well happen. Either, w- either way, you know, probably not hitting the market. Um, but, yeah, player that um, the Bears could have had last year if they wanted to trade to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, just- could have drafted him, too. I remember back in 20, what was it, 2018 when he was drafted? Yeah. Or was it? yeah, 2018 when he was drafted. I was uh, I was scouting him a little bit. I was uh, I liked him a lot, but he had a notably like one of the worst combines ever that made people overlook him. Yeah, and I think that you know obviously he still has that you know five year buffer on Toronto Armstead, and I think that's something that shoots his value way up. Um, it's the combination of ability and age for Orlando Brown Jr. It'd be a great pickup for the Bears. Like you said, as far as natural ability goes right now, Toronto Armstead would be your better pickup. Um, you could keep Orlando Brown Jr. around for a long time if you wanted to, if the Bears had the ability to go out and get him. Um, so I'd say he'd be a great second option if he even hits the market. Um, but it's likely that in the coming days we'll get to see uh, Kansas City place a franchise tag on him. Or um, even better for himself would be moving towards a long-term contract extension, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. And to me, when I I just look at this, you know, left tackle market, I just don't really see anyone else worth taking a flyer on. I I think that if you don't get, 
really Teron Armstead, you have to kind of run it back with uh, either a draft pick at left tackle or um, maybe a trade. I mean, you talk, you kind of joked about Laramie Tunsil, maybe trying to trade for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bengals, I mean, Bengals fans pretty seem terrible pretty deal, upset but. that they're getting Lane, uh, Laramie Tunsil. I, I don't. I could see, you know, I could see uh, the, I could see the Texans trading him, but I don't. He has a really bad deal, I think, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel, I feel like it, it's kind of a stretch to see the Bears give up more draft capital. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, no, it certainly is. I, I don't think that, at least for offensive line, I mean, I really don't think for most position groupings that a trade that's going to involve top-end draft picks is, is probably out of the cards for the Bears this year. Um, yeah. yeah. Just just do their current situation already having, what, five picks going into this draft? So, Yeah, certainly. All right, well, let's go ahead and look at the interior offensive line. Now, this, this is... Uh, I actually think that this free agency is a pretty strong interior offensive line class, uh, truthfully. My, the number one person that I, I'm kind of looking at as far as a guard goes and really the only guard I think I'd be looking at, uh, Connor Williams uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's estimated about $13 million per year contract. I know you mentioned at the uh, before the show that he is the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL, That's, or is it player overall? I think the article stated player. Um, oh, okay. we'll, we'll just go with one of the most. He had 17 penalties, um, I think with the majority of them being false starts, and um, 14 of them were enforced, which is hence why probably most of them were false starts as well, You're usually not declining those. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that... that Judging from Cowboys fans, it's really interesting because Connor Williams had a stellar 2020. Looked really good. They're expecting him to kind of keep progressing up. He ended up getting benched at one point for McGovern, I do believe, in the season. And then they ended up bringing Connor Williams back. And then the narrative kind of flipped and they're like, oh, yeah, he's really good. And then by the end of the season, they're kind of like, yeah, he's probably most definitely walking away from the team at the end of the year. So, Kind of a roller coaster for him, uh, especially in 2021, as far as season performance goes and kind of relationship with the team goes. I do think he has ability. I believe why he's 24 years old at the moment. So still plenty of time for him to kind of evolve into the player that, you know, people expect him to be or kind of what people view his potential to be. There's just lapses in concentration. And for someone, uh, for Ibraflus, especially when he came out and said his first press conference, uh, wants to be in the top four of penalties every year. You wonder if bringing in someone that brought in the most is going to be part of the equation or if he feels like that can, can be coached out. But I don't know. I like his ability. I'm not sold on him, though, frankly. Well, you just didn't ask him to clarify. He he meant top four in most penalties per <laughs> season. He, he wants the guys really rolling out there and, and you know, playing with attitude, Reese. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh False starts, no. Uh, I do think a note uh, that would kind of be able to connect Connor Williams to this team is uh, Luke Getze uh, coached under Mike McCarthy, current uh, Dallas Cowboys head coach. So maybe he'll get a little bit of insight there uh, as to Connor Williams' exact status. I kind of view him as very similar to like a, a James Daniels. You know, like I Bigger. think he's uh, in, in, yeah, he's like in the same class. He, I think he might be a slight upgrade over him. Um, but if we're getting him along with Daniels, I think that'd be pretty good. Uh, 
you know, I, 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 I would be for him replacing white hair potentially. Um, but with Connor Williams, I just remember in 2018, just, uh, again, another, another player that showed a lot of talent, um, talked about it as a first round pick. I can't remember if he actually went in the first round or not. I don't um, think he was. I remember he was coming out of Texas, but I can't remember. Did if he go, went yeah. Round. He might win in the second round. I can't remember exactly, but you know, I would be happy with him. I, I think that, you know, he's really the only interior offensive lineman where I go, Oh, not interior offensive lineman. Sorry. Guard. Um, that I would look at and be like, okay, that sounds good. I think someone that you could pull for three year, like ten million, each one of those years would be the Austin Corbett. I even brought him up mm. way back, like in November, when we were first kind of flirting with the idea of free agents mm-hmm. um, as a name to look out for. He's not really spectacular in any kind of form, but to me, he's just like solid. You know, and I think yeah. we saw it in the Super Bowl, like the man just kind of like goes out there. Um, you're not recognizing him on every play, which kind of seems like a negative, but also you're not recognizing him on every play because he's not slipping up, making too many mistakes. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think that he would just be, I, I think he's a step up from white hair too, honestly, mm. or at least, you know, yeah, I, I personally do. I think he's a step up. So, yeah, I think it'd be good as well. Um, the fact that he played meaningful snaps on a Super Bowl winning offensive line, I think is meaningful as well. I think he started all year too. I, yeah, I, I think so. I I think they did they have an injury or something. I can't. I think remember. they're well. They're usually injured at Whitworth's position, the left tackle. Um, where I know, I think it was, man, it was someone with a T that would play their right tackle. It slid over, played like three, four games at left tackle. Um, I think it was like number seventy or something like that. Can't remember, but uh. yeah, I can't uh, remember exactly either. Um, but okay. I, I do think, uh, Austin Corbett would be up there too. Um, yeah, I think he could be an upgrade over white hair. Um, kind of, kind of just fits the mold. I think that polls wants a little bit better. <coughs> yeah. Not, um, not a monstrous guy. And, and just from like a little bit of the film that I've watched from him, he's not elite with like technique. Um, I think his footwork is good though. Pretty solid footwork. Not asked to do an incredible amount in the McVay offense, but probably still more than Bears offensive linemen were last year. So, <laughs> Good point. All right, let's go ahead and talk about centers now. Now, there's mm, there's like three good centers in this class, I would say. Uh, the first one being Ryan Jensen. Um, t- you know, he's obviously the best here. Uh, he is 30, though. And a lot of, you know, I think he, he would be a very good, good pickup but again you kind of bring in that question of is it do you really want a 30 year old center maybe if you get if you get younger at guard like getting rid of white hair you wouldn't mind so much bringing in an older center and because he is a little bit older he's due to get a smaller deal um only about 10 million per year as i mentioned previously um i think jensen would be a good fit truthfully i don't uh, if we're not getting teron armstead um, or one of these high-end tackles, I wouldn't mind them going bigger and, and uh, more experienced at center. A lot of people also forget that the center position is also very important because a lot of the time you call the defense. You know, you yeah. you 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 kind of you kind of you, you know adjust protections along with yeah. the quarterback, um, and I think that's really where uh, James Daniels really struggled. So. Getting a veteran guy, high quality center, 
top five center probably in the NFL. I'd say um, so. Would yeah. certainly would certainly help. Yeah, Ryan Jensen, um, very good center. I, I really, I mean, obviously we saw what he did in Tampa Bay um, with Tom Brady, and really that offensive line gave up very minimal sacks. I think they gave up what twenty four in all of twenty twenty one. Um, and a lot of that was due to great interior protection. I mean, when you look at a quarterback like uh, Tom Brady, not only do you need that defense off the edge, but if there's someone rushing straight up the middle, it's going to be almost certainly a sack unless Tom Brady can get the ball out very quickly and throw it away. Um, so I think Ryan Jensen and pass protection, also ability in, in the running game as well. I think he would be a phenomenal pickup. I don't think he's going to come to the Bears, though. I think there's going to be another team that's going to take a little bit bigger of a run at him. Um, and I don't know if the Bears are going to lay out all too much for him. I know that you say he's not going to get a monstrous deal. Um, it's just one of those things that I don't really quite – I don't see it shaking out uh, in the Bears' way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's someone that's been a fantastic center. And like you said, James Daniels, um, when he was center, I remember the, the Quan being not quite vocal enough. Um, you're right on. Someone like Ryan Jensen that has seen NFL um, for many years, um, you know, not only that and helping out protections, is someone that'd be good for, for Justin Fields, too, to have an experienced mm. center like that. Um, I forgot, was it Jeff? Was Jeff Saturday? No, he might have been on the Packers at that point, or he probably was out of the league already. But I felt like, you know, Andrew Luck had like an experienced center when he came into the the Colts, but I could be very wrong because his offensive lines were terrible. So And I can't remember, but yeah, I remember that his offensive lines were straight garbage <laughs> and essentially made him retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So not the best example there, but uh, I think that pairing a young quarterback. We want to build an Indianapolis circa 2015 offensive line around Justin Fields. <laughs> you know what? Just just sign Jacoby Brissett, dude. Just bring him back. Bring him in the mold. <laughs> you know, but um, I think pairing a, a veteran center that has knowledge can help teach Justin Fields even in some ways about how to move protection around, how to slide protection um, yeah. pre-snap. I think that'd be huge. Yeah, that's a, that's another great point. Um, two other cheaper options, Bradley Bozeman, uh, who is the center for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who is kind of a lesser known name, but still expect to get about an $8 million deal um, had a really good season this year, really, really good season, and uh, is only about 26 years old. Um, and then, uh, so you know, he he's a guy to watch for. But the guy I really want to talk about is uh, Brian Allen from the LA Rams. Uh, Brian Allen's a guy that was actually already linked to the Bears. He's only expected to get about 5.4 million, and he's only 26 years old. Starting center on a Super Bowl winning team. Um, which is huge. So I have to say, you know, with, with Brian Allen there, if you go ahead and get Toronto Armstead at a big deal, going a little cheaper, get bringing in Brian Allen at center, I think that could be a home run. <laughs> it's still a step up from, from Mustafer, right? Um, anybody. Anybody <laughs> on this list is. You sounded like Chris Collinsworth there for a second. And you're like, here's nah, a guy nah, here's that's a, guy. a huge step up. <laughs> and, and what he's going to do, but I, I think that yeah. Ryan Allen, um, and I think that that, with the Rams offensive line last year, I think it was kind of an interesting group. Um, but they held their own for the most part um, in a lot of situations. They had to play, when you think about it in the NFC, especially even in the playoffs too, some of the defensive fronts they had to face up against. And, you know, Matthew Stafford is 
you know, more mobile than Tom Brady, but ain't super mobile. Um, and they did a good job of keeping the pocket clean. And I think that speaks to as well, Ryan Allen working with someone like Matthew Stafford this past year. Um, also kind of injects me with a little bit more confidence that, you know, he's also seen that. I think it takes a different level of capacity uh, when you're playing, you know, let's say, you know, a year before you're playing with Jared Goff, who's maybe not going to be moving around protections as much, um, not going to be audibly in changing protection, changing the play. Um, and then you go to someone like Stafford, who's going to come up to the line. He's going to read the defense. He's going to probably move protection. Um, and then also, you know, evaluate the play that they call, you know, be communicating with the offensive line, uh, calling out where the mic is, uh, where the safeties are at. So I think that kind of just having that experience is going to be helpful in that way too. And I think if you do go out and make a splash hire and if they go out and get a Toronto Armstead, I would be more than fine with selling for that. Cause frankly, um, like I said, when we, when I started talking here, I think just about everything's a, a step up from, from Mustafer, um, no slight to him, but I think that bringing in any of these guys. And then I think for Bozeman on the Ravens, frankly, I, I actually have not seen or really notice that much tape of him on there. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and target someone like that, like him, because when you look at that offense, not that the bears are trying to emulate the Ravens offense at all, but their use of the RPO, um, their use of certain run concepts, it, it would make sense to bring someone like that over that has had experience with all those different types of concepts and then plug him into Getsy's system. Um, so I think on that side of things, I think it's fairly logical. Yeah, and one one last note on Brian Allen as well has experience in the McVeigh Shanahan scheme, you know, he, that, which I think uh, is kind of the mold that Getsy's going to look after. Um, having that experience could be potentially very valuable uh, on this offensive line. It could help speed things along. So maybe that's a reason why they try to get that value there. Um, I think that is a guy that I'm circling that I think probably will or it's hard to say that a guy will for sure be on a team but at least be a guy that the bears are seriously interested in going forward let's hope honestly i I would like to see it i'd like to see some new faces on this offensive line i want them to to be able to come out i'd love to have a nice like line set up for camp you know have the guys getting reps with each other um and i don't want to be doing too much you know, retooling. We shouldn't be adding, <laughs> adding a, a left tackle in July. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> but not. um, you know, I, I think it'll be good. I think that if the Bears look to sign, um, as, as far as starters are concerned, if they can get two starters on offensive line and draft, not necessarily a starter, but go ahead and draft a piece to add to this offensive line in this upcoming draft, I think this is going to do the um, a world of favors heading up into this you know 2022 season. Yeah, and I don't want to play the Ryan Pace game either where he plays this zero-sum game where he cut both of our two tackles and then added two draft picks where you you kind of net out a, a zero new play or zero more players. Um, I kind of want to, uh, you know, I, I want to bring in more guys than we necessarily need and and, see, and let them battle it out, let figure out who's the best player. And then in training camp, maybe if you're thinking, okay, we can save some cap here cut that player um or if not just keep him as a really good backup which i mean when was the last time this bears offensive line had anything remotely close to a good backup offensive lineman well never (laughs) none usually the backups are starting midway through the year but yeah um, good point (laughs) maybe they can go out there and get bobby massey yeah (laughs) go go re-sign him bring him back 
<laughs> a reunion tour, his revenge tour. Um, where is he even playing right now? Dude, I don't know. Um, did he did he join the Commanders too? I think so. Oh, it says Denver Broncos. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. I actually think I, I I didn't know that. Wow. Well, good for him. I'm happy that I don't need to ever hear his name again. As far as in context of the Bears, he's but, uh, he's loving playing with their quarterbacks out there, man. He, I'm sure he he loves suiting up on Sundays. A lot like playing for the Bears, how he did most of his career. Yeah. Um. On, on top of that, though, Charles Leno Jr. got himself a second contract. So good for Charles Leno Jr. Um. Always thought that was a little interesting when they did that. Uh, maybe if we had Charles Leno Jr., we'd be okay with him right now. Uh, in hindsight, I don't know if it was more of a cap thing, and that's why we did that. But um, not great. Not great. Uh, not a great look, Bears. Or Ryan Pace, I should say. Now we're the new look, Bears. But uh, anything else, man, before we go ahead and cut out the show? Well, um, if any of you guys are going to be watching the Combine, um, enjoy it. it. Sometimes it's, it's tough to watch at parts, at least uh, as someone that has watched multiple combines in the past, you can only watch so many 40 yard dashes <laughs> um, and, and shuttles uh, like three cone shuttles and go watch them, you know, lift up two plates, you know, <laughs> at two, yeah. 225. I mean, if you love that, you know, get a good kick out of it. Um, but I'm really curious to see kind of how players rise and fall, especially on the draft board. I love free agency, but I'd be capping so hard if I wasn't telling them I'm more excited for the draft because that's just the kind of person that I am. Um, love getting the new blood in the NFL and love that kind of relationship between college football and NFL, um, being a fan of, of both. Um, so go ahead and enjoy it. Um, you know, free agency opens up in a couple of weeks here um, with some deadlines coming up, you know, very soon. I think you know what we'll see franchise tags coming out here fairly soon it would be next week or am i getting the dates mixed up uh it might be two weeks from now i can't remember it, everything's all shifted now because of the new nfl like the draft game. is later the yeah the yeah the draft is later but like free i feel like free agency feels earlier because it's like uh it kind of feels earlier because they like it's like the less time between the last the Super Bowl and free agency, but it's actually I think the same date. I don't know. I, I honestly have no clue. Um Well But I'm at least we're gonna be getting a lot of new rumors coming out soon now that the combine's here. Yeah, and I hope um you know we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. No news up there, which is actually quite worrisome for them. I know um I think Gudekunst made a statement about that today basically just like yeah i mean we need to do things and we're waiting on him (laughs) it was basically along the lines of that um and uh we'll see if anything uh, comes from deshaun watson i know that the texans gm kind of made a statement that you know really after you know this past season once it started they just weren't even thinking about it which there's no way that's true but (laughs) yeah exactly but all right, guys, uh, unless there's some breaking news, we'll see you again next week. And uh, bear down, guys. Bear down.